Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome to another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program with our host, Pastor Matthew Recker. We are coming to you live this evening from the WMCA studio in New York City as we continue in our study through the Book of Romans. My name is Micah, and I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage. And tonight, as always, if you want to be part of our conversation or if you would like prayer, you can give us a call at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt. Another great week for our church is actually wrapping up tonight. It seems like we go from one great time to another, doesn't it, Brother Mike? <laughs> it does, we just yeah. got back from Brazil, and then we had our missions conference with wonderful missionaries. Uh, and we have with us Brother John Crocker and his wife Andrea. And John serves as the executive director of GFA Missions, so we'll hear from him this evening. And also we have Lindsay Yessa who has a heart to do medical missions through medical mission outreach. So we had a great time. Yeah. In our mission conference, we spent a couple of days up at Tri-State mm-hmm. Camp. And, Mike, I hear you had an interesting moment up there, and you smacked a young girl in the <laughs> face with a, with a kickball. I know. And then what can... happened out of that? I guess you got a friend, huh? I did. You know, we, we played human foosball when we were up there at Tri-State Camp. And, you know, I have no athletic skill myself, so I just use my strength. I'm a 44-year-old man, so I just kick as hard as I can. Yeah. But sometimes if you're playing with, like, an 11, 12-year-old, and the ball goes up toward their face, yeah. then you just can't sleep because of the guilt. So yeah. I apologized to her a couple times, and now she's my best friend. Okay, and what else did you do for her, though? Oh, <laughs> uh, I made her a card. Okay. You know why? I, I, and she liked that. Let me tell you a story. I'm going to tell uh, you a story. Okay. I was about six, seven years old. My parents took me to play soccer. Uh, so it was my first time on the soccer field. I never played before. A kid kicked the ball, and it hit me in the face so hard and then afterward, he was laughing about it. Yeah. He never apologized. And yeah. I never went back to soccer. I might have been a good soccer player. I don't know that. I never went back to soccer. So I think because I have that baggage from yeah. six-year-old Michael So when Johnson, you kick someone else in the face with a soccer ball, you, you will apologize <laughs> profusely and then make, make friends. Good job, and Micah. she's going to be a professional soccer yeah, player. That's right. She's going to continue in her soccer career, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> and let me also invite our listeners tomorrow... We will begin a new semester of the Heritage Discipleship Institute. And Micah, you're a graduate and on con- and a, a graduate student yes. in our HDI. I'm getting my doctorate a, in a, the HDI that, program. Right. <laughs> and you feel that it has been a benefit in your spiritual life. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine having not taken the classes at this point because I've been taking them for something like five years. But I've just learned so much and grown so much spiritually as well as you know informationally. I feel like I know the Bible so much better. Praise the Lord. And Micah, we're still teaching classes that you haven't yet had so we haven't repeated yes. and tomorrow we're going to have a class in Old Testament Survey 2 which will go from Joshua through the Song of Solomon and it will be a great class at 7 p.m. and then at 8 p.m. we're continuing our study in church history and we're going to start with the Reformation time in the 1500s and talk about Martin Luther and then the Anabaptists and the Swiss Reformation and then the Reformation in England the first Baptist churches uh, in England and then coming to the United States. So it will be a really great class. If anyone wants to 
join us in our Heritage Discipleship Institute. You can go on our website at hbcnyc.org. You can listen there. You can go find us on Zoom, or you can come in person at 633 3rd Avenue. And I know I'm talking fast and giving a lot of information, <laughs> but if you have questions and you want to be a part of our institute, call us right now at 929 333 3739. We have Dr. Hahn is here, and we have great call screeners here this evening. Call us if you have any questions. Visit our church. Come to our institute. 929-333-3739. Okay. Well, this evening we are blessed to have with us our missionaries from our missions conference, John and Andrea Crocker. And, John, you serve as executive director of GFA Missions and also Lindsay Yessa. So let's just hear a, a brief testimonies from you all. John, we'll start it off with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've done, what you're doing. Thanks so much. Great to be here with you. So glad for the opportunity to share with you tonight and look at Romans 8, one of my favorite chapters, mm. and to share a little bit of a testimony as well. Uh, my family and I served as missionaries in Mexico City, Mexico, for about 10 years. Uh, my wife and five children and I. I had a wonderful time there. The Lord gave us a really good uh, experience in Mexico City helping uh, in a church plant, helping a new church get started there, and really thankful for the years mm. he gave us there uh, to minister. That church is doing well. There are men now that are leading that church and, and preaching there, so we're so thankful for the Lord's help there and how uh, the, the experiences he gave us there. Um, and then last year, um, as the previous director of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions uh, announced his retirement, the board approached us about returning to the U.S. from Mexico City and taking on the role of executive director. So uh, we've been back in the U.S. since August of 2022, uh, serving in that role. And it's such a privilege to serve um, at GFA Missions uh, we have missionaries serving in around three dozen countries around the world, yes. taking the gospel to the world, uh, preaching Christ, establishing churches, uh, teaching people to uh, serve in these churches and teach and preach God's word around the world. And uh, we're so thankful that we get to serve our missionaries, really, and do everything we can to encourage them uh, as they serve Christ around the world and really to help them carry out the task that God has, has given to them. So we just try to encourage them mm. spiritually, encourage them practically with the different needs that they have. And then, of course, we're so grateful to be able to travel in the United States as well and preach in churches, preach in conferences, and really challenge God's people about the Great Commission, challenge mm. God's people about the wonderful uh, role that he has given us to be his instruments uh, to preach the gospel and really see him continue to work in his people uh, to take the gospel to the world and tell people about salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's wonderful, Brother John. Well, we are thrilled to have you, and it's great to see how God has led and directed your steps. And it's great to have Andrea with us also. And uh, tell us about your ministry as John's wife and also mother of five children. Yes, my primary ministry at this stage of life is to, is to my family. I'm homeschooling uh, our five kids from grades kindergarten through 11th grade, and that it takes up time, and that's a great um, ministry outlet Absolutely. for me. And my yeah. ministry to missionaries at this time primarily, I would say, is through prayer. Mm. I'm on the mailing list for all of our missionaries, and I get their prayer requests, and I take note of the prayer requests, mm -hmm. and then when mm. they... Um, are when I come to them in my prayer schedule, I have their requests written down, and I try to faithfully pray for every missionary who is sent um, with 
that with GFA missions. Mm. Yeah, well, we are so glad that you could both be with us and your whole family. You have some wonderful children as well, and it's really been a joy and delight mm. to get to know you and your growing children uh, better this time. Well, so, we hey, we have an 11 year old that got hit in the face with a soccer ball. <laughs> yeah, too. I know. Right. A, right. Great, a great memory. <laughs> My best friend, you mean? Yeah. Right. You're Micah's best friend. And it is a joy to have with us Lindsay Yessa. And Lindsay's also visited our church in years past with her grandfather. So, Lindsay, it's great to have you back with us at Heritage. And tell the listeners a bit about your missionary work. Yeah, so I serve as a team operations coordinator for Medical Missions Outreach. And Medical Missions Outreach exists solely as a help to local church plants in underdeveloped countries. We um, use the tool of medicine to attract people to the local church and give them compassionate and professional medical care um, as an opportunity for them to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. So we um, offer medical clinics as well as wound care, basic lab procedures, um, surgery, pharmaceuticals, physical therapy, and many other services um, through team members that volunteer with us that are medical professionals as well as non-medical professionals. So... We take them all over the world. I believe we're in 22 countries this year, and um, I think we'll have over 700 um, team members travel from the United States with us abroad. Yeah, and that was neat that you said that in when you were sharing this morning how we could pray for you. And one of the things you prayed, you asked us to pray for, which was really good because I wouldn't have thought of it myself, but you would just have good relationships with all of these people who come alongside Medical Missions Outreach People like that you may meet in our church, let's say uh, an eye doctor in our church might travel with you on the mission field and that you would have good relationships with all of them. You know, when you think about medical missions, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ was a great physician, right? (laughs) Jesus used medicine as an opportunity to bring the gospel to people. Mm -hmm. And some of the great missionaries in history, like Hudson Taylor, were also medical missionaries and used medicine, you know, as that hook, if you will, to bring, to give the opportunity to share the gospel. So, yeah. And I loved how Lindsay was talking about in one of her testimonies how people who really can't see, their vision is super impaired, they'll come to them. And, you yeah. know, we it's hard for us to imagine here in America, you know, as a first world country, um, just walking around not being able to see your whole life. And then whether it's just a pair of glasses or some other treatment, all of a sudden these people can see and they go from blindness, let's say, to sight. And then there's such a spiritual um, application there where you can then just very easily say, you know, Christianity, Jesus Christ can actually make you spiritually see. And so I just love that when you shared that one. Yeah, there's great medical needs in many parts of the world, that's for sure. So, Lindsay, thank you for for that and thank you for sharing. And uh, this evening we are going to get into Romans chapter 8 and we are now going to kind of shift a little bit and talk about the realities of our relationship with the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead who indwells every believer we see from this passage of Scripture. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul has begun saying that we are positionally in Christ. And being in Christ, we have a new freedom. We have been liberated. We have a perfect Savior who was the once and for all, perfect substitute for our sins. We have a new standing. We are justified and free from the law of sin and death. And Paul then emphasizes that we have a new walk. We no longer walk in the flesh, 
but we walk after the Spirit. And, that, and then that launches then into this reality that we, we now live after the Spirit. And we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 is a powerful mm. chapter, isn't it? You were saying, mm-hmm. even John, it's one of your favorite yep. passages of Scripture. Last mm. week we actually asked those on our panel, what's your favorite verse? Mm-hmm. From Romans chapter eight, I don't know if you have oh. one. Oh, the, yes. I, I, I didn't pre- yeah. prep you on that. Thirty-eight, question. thirty-eight oh, and thirty-nine. Oh yeah, thirty-eight yeah. and thirty-nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah that that yeah. nothing can separate us mm-hmm. from the love mm-hmm. of Christ, mm-hmm. which is in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we're going to read this passage in Romans chapter eight, and Michael will begin with you at verse five, and we'll go down to verse number thirteen tonight. Romans eight verse five: For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And let's so pray. Michael will pray. Yep. Yep. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just uh, come to you tonight as we embark on uh, studying this great passage of Scripture, Lord. And we just ask for the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that raised you from the dead. It's, it seems like it's too much to ask, God, but we are asking for your power tonight as we have this discussion. So bless us tonight, mm-hmm. bless our listeners, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you have a pen handy, pick it up. Because you're going to want to make a couple notes. And the first thing I want you to, to encourage you to write down is the, the six incredible realities that Paul goes through in this passage of Scripture in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're going to deal with three tonight mm-hmm. and three next week. So the three we're going to talk tonight, about tonight is that we have the Spirit's mind, we have the Spirit's presence, we have the Spirit's victory. So write those things down. The Spirit's mind, His presence, and victory. Next week, we're going to talk about how we have the Spirit's leading, His adoption, and His witness. Very beautiful Mm. realities. So let's go right into verses 5 through 8, where Micah, Paul writes that we have the mind of the Spirit. So what exactly is Paul describing in verses 5 and 6? Is he, In other words... I, and here's the big question really, mm. we really have to answer. Mm-hmm. Is he talking about two different kinds of Christians? In other words, a, a carnal Christian mm. or, or a spiritual Christian? Or is he talking about two different kinds of people? In other words, one who's saved yeah. and one who's lost. Mm-hmm. So what is Paul describing in these verses? 
Yeah, Pastor. Well, throughout the book of Romans so far, Paul often speaks in contrasts, as stark as black and white. You know, and this is another example of that. You know, he isn't talking about two different versions of believers here. He's speaking about believers and non-believers, almost as if they live on separate planes. You know, the non-believers, which he calls they that are after the flesh, have their minds focused on the things of the flesh, the temporal, the earthly, the self-gratifying. And then he further labels these as carnally minded, saying that the end result of that mindset is death. And then for believers, Paul describes us as those after the spirit with our minds focused on the things of the spirit, meaning the eternal, the things of God. And then in contrast to being carnally minded, which leads to death, he says that believers are spiritually minded, which leads to life and peace. And we should say here, as we have said throughout the series, that Paul is in no way saying that believers are so spiritually minded that they live their lives without sin. You know, all we have to do is flip back one chapter and read Paul's own admission that he still does what he hates. But his point is that only the believer can have the perspective of God and can see life through the lens of eternity with the help of the Spirit. And surely the result of a life lived with that perspective will be different. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, that he's talking about one who either has spiritual life Mm -hmm. or one who is spiritually dead. And that's in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And as you said, that doesn't mean that a Christian can't, you know, have his carnal moments. I mean, Mm -hmm. just put me in a traffic jam for a few moments, (laughs) and my wife will definitely tell you that I get in the flesh at and in you know when I'm in a in a hurry and I'm in traffic and I'm being frustrated with with uh, traffic and street fairs on the street you know when you, well, that actually happened yesterday as soon as we dropped off the person we brought to camp i yeah. was like couldn't go up the road i wanted to oh, and i was no. like all like i got a, in a hacked mood yeah. but you know what so we sometimes do get hacked but mm-hmm. but the idea what paul is talking about here is a a point of view a perspective of life a a new direction right mm-hmm. and and that he even summarizes it in verse 9 that the believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. And Mm -hmm. if any man does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Mm -hmm. So that kind of just seals the deal there that he's talking about either a saved person or a lost person. Brother John? Yeah, on that that question, it just reminds me of another image. And and you've you've both mentioned this word, but uh, the the Bible talks about people being dead in their sins. Mm -hmm. And we're born separated from God. We're born without spiritual life. Uh, but when someone comes to Christ, God raises that person from the dead, spiritually speaking. He mm-hmm. gives that person life. Mm-hmm. Uh, God brings people to life uh, through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Spirit. And so it's it's actually from passing from death to life is, is an expression from First yeah. John chapter 3. Mm-hmm. And I think about this, this question of, is this talking about two different kinds of people or three different kinds of people? Well, you're either dead or alive. There's mm-hmm. not. You can't be yeah. partly alive. You're mm-hmm. you're you're dead or you're alive. You're dead spiritually or you're alive spiritually through Christ. So, I think this this passage is talking about those two groups of people: mm-hmm. uh, people who have life in Christ or people who don't have life in Christ. Yeah. And he, as John says, it's so simply and beautiful. He that has the Son has life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So we see those two distinctions. 
in so many places, don't we? Mm -hmm. Like Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So there are saved and there are lost. And that's what Paul is really speaking about here. And so saved people have, and as he goes through these verses, basically he says that saved, those who are saved have a new direction, have a new destiny, and have new desires. So first of all, when we think about a believer possessing a new direction, I see that especially in verse 5, where he says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In other words, when we're, when we're saved and we have the Holy Spirit in us, we go after. There's a new direction here. Mm-hmm. So how does our direction, and how did your direction, John, change upon your salvation? Oh, great. That word after, just it, it does. It talks about a characteristic pattern of life. You use that word direction. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so important. I could be walking behind someone. I'm walking after that person. Mm-hmm. And then I stop walking yeah. after that person and start walking behind someone else, after someone else. And that's mm-hmm. a different direction. I'm, I'm, changing, I'm changing my path. I'm changing direction. And that, that change of direction takes place through the power of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who changes us. Jesus changes everything. Mm-hmm. And that is all throughout this passage in, in Romans chapter 8. I, I'm, just, I'm looking down at these verses again, and it's, I'm looking at verse 1, which I believe we talked about last week. And there's, there's no condemnation to, to them which are in Christ. Right. So be, before Christ, it's condemnation. We're, we're, we're guilty before God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're under God's condemnation. But those who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. What a great change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then verse 2, there's the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It's in Christ Jesus. And then verse 3, the law could not do this. What the law could not do. No amount of of human effort, no amount of human activity or work could produce this new direction. Mm. Uh, We can't change ourselves. Mm -hmm. This doesn't come through a religion or through a certain church. It's not through saying a certain number of prayers or offering a certain number of of offerings to God. It's not in taking pilgrimages. No law could change the human heart. God did this in Christ Jesus uh, God sending his own son, verse 3 says, God sending his own son, uh, he condemned sin in the flesh. It's Jesus Christ yes. who took our sin and our condemnation. And when someone trusts in Christ, God begins to change that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gives that new direction. They begin walking after the Spirit. It's a new life oriented toward Jesus, loving him and serving him. That's what it means to be after the Spirit. Uh, that new yeah. direction is a life oriented toward Jesus mm-hmm. uh, and his cause, the things that he wants, the things that please him. And in my case, the Lord worked in my heart when I was a seven-year-old boy. Um, and he worked in my heart and helped me trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Mm. Um, and since then, he has, he has continued to work in my life, helping me learn to, to seek the Lord and follow after him and, and serve him. And as you, you already said, I don't always obey. Uh, I don't always do the things that please him. I don't always do what I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God, through Jesus Christ, he has given me a new direction and a new orientation toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Little by little, mm-hmm. little by little, I'm learning to follow him. It's a new direction through the power of Christ. Yeah, and really, verse 1 ties into verse Five here, doesn't it? Where it's where Paul says those who are in Christ, and you quoted the verse, but those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, mm-hmm. but after the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So the one who is in Christ has this new direction mm-hmm. of going 
after the things of the Spirit. And he has life and he has peace in this new direction. So, dear friends, has there been this change of direction in you? Are you in Jesus Christ? That is, have you called upon him to save you? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died for your sin and rose again from the dead? And that is what you must do if you're going to be saved. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And when you are saved, there will be a new direction in your life. You will go after the things of the Spirit. So is there a new direction in your life where there's a hunger and a thirst for God and you're going after the things of the Spirit? If not, call us right now at 929-333-3739. Or maybe you say, I have been saved, but I have not been walking after the things of the Spirit the way that I should. And maybe you just want someone to pray with. Well, one of our missionaries is call screening Lindsay, who shared her testimony earlier, along with Dr. Estrahan. Give us a call right now. They'd love to talk, share scripture, pray with you at 929-333-3739. And Andrea, can you tell us now, you know, a little bit of your testimony, how you did come to know the Lord and how the Lord changed your direction when you became saved and even how you felt a a call to go into missions? Yes, well, I was saved. I'm very thankful. Um, At a young age, my family, my parents are Christians. That did not save me. I Mm -hmm. had to accept Christ for myself. Mm -hmm. But I am so grateful that God has given me a lifetime of learning about him and that he opened my heart at a young age to receive him. And when I think about his directing me, he's directed me to various parts of the world and he's always shown himself to be a good shepherd. He is, we, we follow after someone that we trust. Mm-hmm. And in verse three, we see that he condemned sin in the flesh. Christ condemned, God condemned my sin in Christ's flesh. Mm. Um, and that was the ultimate demonstration of love. Um, it says also in, in Romans 5, um, I know that I can trust him to lead me in the best direction because he loves me so much. He has designed my life ahead of time, and I, I see how much he loved me because of um, what Jesus did on the cross. Mm-hmm. And if um, if he, at later in Romans 8, if he did not spare his own son, um, then how will he withhold every good thing from me? He will He will give me every good thing. I can follow his direction because I trust him. Yeah, amen. And, you know, and praise God how you have followed the Lord to Mexico. And then when your husband was asked to become executive director to leave Mexico, yes. and you're, you just have to trust God, right, and follow the Lord and his direction in your life. So, Michael, in verse 6, mm-hmm. Paul speaks here about the new destiny of, of a believer that no longer are we destined for death but our destiny in being in Christ is life and peace so what does this mean how is this new destiny described here in Romans chapter 8 verse 6 yeah well Paul states in the second half of verse 6 that to be spiritually minded is life and peace in other words that is the destiny of the believer life and peace. And the most important reason that this is possible is because the Holy Spirit of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, resides in us. He is truly a comforter 
and the giver of the abundant life that Jesus promised to his believers. But another reason we have peace is because we know how it all ends. You know, God wins and will be with him forever in eternity. And that makes all the difference. Um, just a few weeks ago, we went on our Brazil missions trip. And for me, anytime I go on a big trip like that, part of the trip is actually the anticipation of it. So, you know, you buy your airline tickets for the right date. Uh, you do your research on the hotel and then choose the hotel where you're going to be staying at. You plan out your itinerary. Uh, even you look at restaurants ahead of time and you get more and more excited as the day approaches. And then that period of time, when you're looking forward to the trip, it actually ends up being a significant part of the experience of the whole trip. Well, in a much more profound and, of course, eternal way, our anticipation of heaven and justice and the fulfilled promises of God is also a big part of our Christian experience. And that also gives us life and peace now. Yeah, and I love that. He doesn't just say life, but he says life and, and peace. peace. Yeah. Because when you have eternal life in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you can endure trials and still have that peace underlying everything else. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite verses in the New Testament is when Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Mm-hmm. So peace is not in our circumstances mm-hmm. it's in jesus and he said in him we might yeah. that we that means we might not mm-hmm. but if we trust him and abide in him mm-hmm. and he and realize his abiding presence in us we can have that peace mm-hmm. and 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 be sure of this in the world we're going to have tribulations mm-hmm. so we need to be abiding in Jesus and in him have that peace brother john good love love what micah said that was we look forward to the destination we look forward to the the final the final destination mm-hmm. that's how god works this this peace in our hearts it it makes me think of of really what comes later in romans chapter 8 um verse 17 verse 18 uh, talks about how we're joint heirs. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, who trust in Jesus Christ, are joint heirs with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it says, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And then he says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Mm-hmm. Yes, in this world we'll have tribulation. Mm-hmm. You just quoted that verse from, from John 16, Pastor Recker, but... Uh, the, 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 the sufferings of this present time, they're not even worthy to be put in the same scale uh, with what awaits us as believers in Jesus Christ, the glory which shall be revealed in us. Mm. Yes. So we have a new direction. We have a new destiny. And now in Christ as well, we have new desires. And this is really down in verses 7 and 8. And our desire now is to, to come under the loving authority of the Lord. And so how are these new desires? And John, we could start with you and then Andrea, but what are some of the new desires that a believer has and how does this work out in practical ways in our lives? Yeah, thank you. It might might be good to read verses 7 and 8 again just to have them in mind. Uh, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Um, this, this text teaches us that, that people without Christ, it says it so plainly, that people without Christ cannot 
be submissive to the law of God. Mm-hmm. People without Christ cannot please God mm-hmm. uh, because there's no heart change. I mean, that's the thing we started with, right? When we yeah. started talking about Romans 8, these first verses, there's no heart change. Mm-hmm. And, and people without Christ, they can do things on the outside, uh, but they're, they're, if their hearts are not changed, there's, there's just external conformity. They're doing things outwardly, but not from the heart, not from the right motive. They cannot please God in that way. Pleasing the Lord, pleasing God, means obeying him from our heart. Uh, that's inside and out. And when God transforms a person in salvation, he transforms the heart that desires everything. So mm-hmm. there's growing obedience and submission to Christ. It's not perfect, as we've already said, but it's growing more and more from the inside out. It's obedience. It's submission to the Lord from the heart. And you asked about about missionaries submitting uh, their desires and, and having these new desires in their hearts uh, as as God works in them and transforms them. Hmm. Well, when when God works in someone's heart and and begins moving that person uh, toward the mission field, as, hmm. as God starts working in someone mm-hmm. and giving that person a desire mm-hmm. uh, to serve the Lord in another place, to take the gospel to some dark place, some place where uh, they do not know Jesus Christ, um, as that person just submits more and more to Christ. Uh, that that person will want and and even really not just want but long like mm, they're yeah. they're really gonna long to make Jesus known in this world. That's gonna be a new desire uh, to use the life and the person will be willing uh, to endure difficulties, uh, give up closeness to family and mm, and comfort yeah. and money, everything to preach the gospel. That's God's work in the heart, changing the desires to, to into desires that please God. Mm. Yeah, and Andrea, could you add to that like how the Lord has worked out in your life? to give you these new desires in serving Christ. Yes. I like I mentioned I was very young when I was when I became a Christian. I was 4 years old. And this this verse here, those who are in the they that are in the flesh cannot please God is is the evidence that we need. It's the it's the doctrine that teaches that even 4-year-olds need to come to Christ for salvation. Mm. Because very few people look at a 4-year-old and think that person is is a sinner, is a wicked sinner because we think of children are innocent, mm. but the Bible tells us they're not. They're mm-hmm. not pleasing to God because they are in the flesh. I was in the flesh. So even though I can't remember wanting to do any violence or terrible things as a 4-year-old, I I was not pleasing to God because I was living only for myself. And even now when I find myself tempted, I'm tempted to do things for myself, mm-hmm. for my own honor, for my own comfort in at the expense of other people often. Mm-hmm. And I see that those are the desires that are at war mm-hmm. inside of me. Mm-hmm. But since I have the spirit of Christ also, there's something inside me, there's some one inside me who is telling me you no know, you you actually desire God's glory more. And and that's yes. how I know my desires are different because my natural desire is to do things for myself. But those are the things that do not please God. And having a desire to please God is the evidence that I am one of his children. Amen. And I love what Jesus said when, when Jesus was on earth. He says, I do always those mm-hmm. things that please him. So when we have his spirit mm-hmm. in us, mm-hmm. we will have that desire. The mm-hmm. spirit of Christ in us will give us the desire to surrender to God, obey God, and please God. Those are our new desires. Dear friends, are you struggling in the flesh? If so, give us a call right now 
at 929-333-3739. Maybe there's some sin that's getting dominion over you. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's cursing, bitterness, anger, jealousy, envy. It could be a sin of the spirit or a sin of the flesh. Maybe it's adultery or fornication or homosexuality. And you need victory. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. We're going to go to a song. Mm -hmm. And then we'll come back on the other side. And as you hear the song... You give us a call right now at Answers the question of Romans chapter 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, it doesn't matter who's against us. Mm. There's going to be a lot of people against us. But it doesn't matter when God's for us. So, we talked about the Spirit's mind. Let's now dive into the truth of the Spirit's presence. In Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11, the word dwell Mm -hmm. appears three times. This word means literally to occupy a house. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. So what does this mean to our spiritual condition when we are saved and when we have the Holy Spirit indwelling them? And exactly who does the Holy Spirit indwell? Mm. Yeah, well, the word dwell, it's from a Greek word that Paul only is the, he's the only writer of the New Testament who uses it. And when he uses it, he's always talking about either sin dwelling in a person or the Holy Spirit dwelling in a person. And as Andrea just said, sometimes there's a fight within us, you know, with those two things. But as far as the word dwell, it comes from the root word for house. And we can surmise that the meaning of the word means to live in. Um, 
And the meaning is confirmed when you look back at the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, which is the Bible that Paul so often used and so often quoted. We look at verses like in Genesis 4, it says, Cain dwelt or lived in the land of Nod. Or in Genesis 19, Lot dwelled in the mountain with his two daughters. Or Exodus 2, Moses dwelt in the land of Midian. So as Paul uses this word three times in these verses, he is stressing that the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ with all power and might is living within us. We, in effect, are his house, his dwelling place, his temple. And Paul says it so well in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Yeah, and those three times is in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It says, If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And Paul's very emphatic. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And he's not here talking about having an experience of tongues. Mm. He's saying that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence, home in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And that's an amazing thing because in Romans 7, as you said, Paul uses the same word dwell twice, that sin dwells in us Mm -hmm. and in our flesh dwells no good thing. So we need the Holy Spirit to overcome Mm -hmm. that indwelling sin. Mm -hmm. And then as well in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 11, he says, that the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. That's so amazing. And it says, by his spirit that dwells in you. So three times. Beautiful, isn't it? How the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Mm. So John, how then does the same power of God that raised up from the, Jesus from the dead now work in our lives? I think of a passage. Of, it's actually a prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, when when he is he prays he prays that Christian people would understand they would have a deeper understanding of the greatness of his power Ephesians yeah. one nineteen toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead mm. so Paul is praying that we would have a deeper understanding mm-hmm. and a deeper experience of yeah. the power of God that he displayed when he raised Jesus from the dead but he didn't just raise him from the dead the verse 20 of Ephesians 1 says he set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all he's already put all things under Christ's feet verse 22 and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. Hmm. And I think of that verse, that that, Jesus, that God raised his son from the dead and set him over all things in the universe. How much power does that require? Hmm. To raise Jesus from the dead <laughs> mm-hmm. and set him over all things. Hmm. And he did that, the verse says, for the church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when, when we think about what Jesus is doing in the world today, he's working. He's working on behalf of his people. He's working to build up his church. He's working for our good and for his glory. And, 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 and he does that. He, he raises sinners to life. We already talked about that. People who are dead in their sins. Mm-hmm. God gives them life through Christ. And, and he gives this power to them as they live out their day-to-day. You just mentioned the, the power of the Spirit at work in us to help us fight against sin. And then I think also of 1 Corinthians 15. I'll just read one verse there. Verse 22 says, As in Adam all die, 
Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. Mm-hmm. Every person who is in Christ one day will be raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. I'm going to die. They're going to put my body in the ground. It's going to start decaying. It's going to turn into dust. But mm-hmm. one day, Jesus is going to come back, and his resurrection power, mm-hmm. he will actually use that power to raise me from the dead as well uh, and take me to heaven to be with him yeah. as a glorified person, body, soul, and spirit. Yeah, that is a, isn't this amazing that the identical power mm. that was used to raise up Jesus from the dead mm. was required to raise us up from mm. our spiritually dead mm. condition. Mm-hmm. And we've been raised with Christ to have new life. And we're also seated with him in the heavenly places. So just as Jesus has been raised to sit at the Father's right hand, the power of the Holy Spirit, the identical power that raised up Jesus dwells in us to give us that power to live the Christian life. Yeah, and I don't think that we can underestimate this statement of Paul's. And truly, I don't think we'll ever fully even understand it. You know, we we know a lot about God. We have a lot of information through the Holy Spirit. We can really know our Lord and Savior. But at least in my mind, there's surely a great mystery in the power of God to bring Jesus's body mm. back to life. Mm. So when Jesus described himself in Revelation 1.18 saying, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. You know, we need to have faith that that same power which brought Jesus back to life is inside us because the Holy Spirit of the living God is in us. Imagine what a believer could do for the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit if we fully understand and believe that while at the same time living a holy and pleasing life. So that's the goal. Yeah, and this is why, dear friends, It is absolutely proper for us to be praying for the power of the Holy Spirit every day in our lives. Mm -hmm. As in Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And those are three present tense commands that we're going to be, we are to be continually asking, continually seeking and knocking. And then down in verse number 13, he says, how much more shall the Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. So in that very same context of us continually asking and seeking and knocking, the Lord Jesus teaches us we are to be asking for the power Mm. of the Holy Spirit because we're asking for the power Mm. of resurrection life Mm -hmm. to to give us power to walk in the Spirit, to overcome that indwelling sin. So, dear friends... Is the sin that dwelleth in you causing you defeat? It doesn't have to be. Mm. You can walk in the Spirit Mm. and not fulfill those lusts of the flesh. And if you're struggling, and we can encourage you, call us right now at 929-333-3739. And... Visit our church. If you're looking for a good Bible-believing church, visit us at Heritage Baptist Church. This coming Sunday, we're going to have another message in our series on the parables. And Wednesday night, we're studying the book of Acts. We do verse-by-verse Bible study Mm -hmm. in our church. Somebody actually visited our church today and wanted to know if we do biblical expositions Mm. of going through a book. I was like, well, yes. I mean, I didn't. (laughs) And I thought of this later. On the radio, we're doing Romans. On Wednesday night, we're doing Acts. Sunday morning, right now, we're doing the parables. And so, dear friends, we need to be fed the Word of God. So if you're looking for a good church, check us out at Heritage Baptist Church. Our website is hbcnyc.org. And on Sunday, we meet at 10 a.m. is our Bible study hour. Micah teaches a great 
class of our city youth, along with Brother Emmanuel. We have also adult Bible fellowships at 10 a.m. And then 11 a.m. is the service at 490 Hudson Street in Greenwich Village, Manhattan. Okay, we're talking about the Holy Spirit's relationship that we have. Mm -hmm. We talked about the Spirit's mind. And now let's talk about the Spirit's victory. We've talked about the Spirit's mind, His presence, and now His victory. So, Micah, what does Paul mean in verse number 8 when he says, no, I'm sorry, in, in verse number 12, down in verse 12, Romans chapter 8, verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Mm. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. So what does it mean to be a debtor okay. to the flesh? Yeah. Well, I'm going to answer this um, by telling you about a dream I had when I was first walking with the Lord. And it's one of those dreams where you wake up and you have this distinct sense that the dream means something, you know, and there's a lot of elements to that dream, but I'll just mention one. So as the dream began, in the dream, I woke up and I knew that I had slept too late. And as I scrambled to get out the door, there was an old man lying on the floor in the room. And I remember I had to pick up this old man who was paralyzed for whatever reason. And I had to kind of put him on my back and carry him out. And as I did this, the old man, he was kind of condemning me and berating me for waking up late. And here I am thinking, I'm carrying you around. Why are you berating me? But I continued to carry him until we were out the door. Anyway, the dream went on. But when I woke up, I remember talking to a friend about the dream, and this friend brought up the concept from Ephesians 4.22, which says, put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. In other words, you know, I was not supposed to pick up that old man, that representative of me living in the flesh. You know, the new me, the new creature, was supposed to just walk right by that old man and leave him there. So, to answer your question, Pastor, I think that Paul is saying in verse 12 that we don't owe the flesh anything. We have no allegiance to our, quote, old man, if you will, and now our allegiance is only to the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, well, that's some dream, Micah, carrying around that old man. You just had to shed him yeah. and walk in the Spirit, huh? Yeah. And it, uh, the idea of being a debtor, as you said, it means owing or having an obligation towards something. So once we're saved... We have no obligation to our flesh. It would be like if you had a job mm -hmm. at Staples and then you got a better job offer at some other company. Mm -hmm. So you left Staples. Yeah. You can't wake up in the morning and say, oh, no, mm -hmm. I'm late for my job at Staples. Yeah. You have no more obligation mm -hmm. towards Staples anymore. You have a new job. You have a new owner. So in Jesus Christ... We have no obligation to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So don't mind it. Mm -hmm. That's what Paul's saying. Don't put your mind in it. Yeah. We have the Holy Spirit now. Mm -hmm. And we have the Spirit's victory. Take hold of the Spirit's victory, dear friend, because we owe the flesh nothing. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. So as we are getting toward the end of our program tonight, we're thinking about the Spirit's victory. And Andrea, as a homeschooling mom, Five children. That's that's a great job. And homeschooling in a city and town where there's a lot of Christians, there's Christian schools on top of Christian schools. So it's amazing that you're you're even choosing to homeschool in such an environment, if you will. But I know it's greatly challenging. So tell us how the Holy Spirit gives you victory in spite, I'm sure, of the weakness of the flesh you often feel. Yes, the victory... Um, that the Holy Spirit gives me comes directly through listening to him. Mm. Um, we listen to what he says, what he has written for us 
to believe and to know. Second Peter one twenty, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. And verse 21, holy men of God spake as they were moved along, moved by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit gave us the word of God, and that's what he uses to give me victory. It's meeting with him daily and hearing what he says, reading what he has written that I am changed in Second Corinthians 3.18. We all, um, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed from the same image from glory to glory, mm. even as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is something anyone can do. The Spirit is the one who changes us, and he changes us through his word. And it's not just um, Im- immediately. It's from mm. one day to the next. That's right. And you don't see it really from day to day. You see it looking back, but you you see every day there was a little bit of progress as I listen to you. And this is not something that is reserved for a select few. Any mother in any situation, any woman anywhere, any believer has access to this changing, transforming power because we all have access to the Word of God. It's everywhere. It's on the Internet. It's probably in your pocket on your phone right now Mm -hmm. if you don't have a printed copy. And if you want a printed copy, go to Heritage Baptist Church and ask them and they'll give you one. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it is a daily change and sometimes it's a slow change. You know why? Because it's the renewing of our mind. And that means there has to be a reshaping of our thoughts. And sometimes it's difficult to change our thinking Mm. and our habits of thought Mm -hmm. but that's what the word of god does it Mm -hmm. the word of god is grafted into our mind and into our thoughts so we begin thinking god's thoughts and not our own sinful human thoughts so john as we come toward the close tonight and think about the spirit's victory we have the spirit's mind his presence and his victory and it speaks about in verse number 13 that we are to then put the deeds of the body to death we're to mortify through the spirit so what is what does this mean that we are to mortify the works of the flesh by the power of the spirit mm-hmm. our our flesh that 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 part of us that still is is fallen still loves sin is that has desires it's always with us and it, it wants to do wrong it does not want to obey god it mm-hmm. wants to drag us into many of these things we've already mentioned uh, tonight and and this verse and other texts in the New Testament tell us to to put those deeds to death mm-hmm. to mortify those things and uh, we do that I think I think Andrea really just really just answered this question in in, in other words but uh, I, I think of Galatians five sixteen walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh mm-hmm. that's a wonderful promise that mm-hmm. if we would walk in the power of the Spirit that there is no way that we will fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a strong promise from God. And we do that, as Andrea shared, by filling our lives with the Spirit's words. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Spirit gave us the words of the Bible. Uh, He breathed them out. Uh, He used people to give us the words of the Bible. And He uses those same words to give us victory over our flesh. That's how we, we walk in the Spirit, yeah. by walking in His words, by living in His words, by filling our minds and our hearts with His truth. He uses those words to help us fight against sinful desires. And it sometimes just takes some good old-fashioned self-denial. Like mm. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Michael Westward, 
Well, you know, this concept, as Brother John just mentioned, it permeates the New Testament. You know, he, he mentioned Galatians 5, and I'll just mention Galatians 4:24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And I just think, you know, if you're out there tonight and you don't feel like you have crucified the lust of your flesh with Christ, do it tonight. Tonight is the night. Today is the day of salvation. And, you know, just like Jesus was nailed to that cross, your sin and your flesh can also be nailed to the cross, and you too can live with the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God in your life if you accept Him and believe. And dear friends, bear about in your body the life of Jesus Christ. He will manifest Himself through you. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.